Welcome to The Mentor List, a source of sound advice with your host, David Lewis. To seek support and you need to allow yourself to be supported. Really have a point of difference. What is precious, what's really important, and then putting some boundaries there. The Mentor List specialises in interviews with top business minds. Gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentor List. Hi, welcome to The Mentor List. Today we are having a chat with Dr. Amy Silver. Amy's background includes working as a clinical psychologist and academic tutor for Oxford University in the UK. Her research and specialist area of psychotherapy was around how fear prevents perceived choices and how the simplest of behaviour changes can create huge personal growth, better conversations and smarter decisions. She moved out of clinical work 15 years ago. Amy now helps brave organisations drive cultures where people grow and achieve. She is a regular publisher and publishes in Silver Linings. Her book is also Conversations Create Growth and her second book, The Safe Space Where Teams Achieve, will be out shortly or maybe out by the time you're listening to this. So I hope you enjoy today's conversation with Dr. Amy Silver. So, Dr. Amy Silver, welcome to The Mentor List. Thank you. Karen Schwab certainly has talked you up on the way in and you've just (laughs) done that as well. And so, you're really looking forward to having a good chat today. Oh, I hope I don't disappoint. Yeah, I know. We've set the expectations (laughs) really high. (laughs) Yeah, so thanks for taking the time and for coming in here today for Air 2 Work Club. So, if we can hear the people having lunch outside, I do apologise. We are in the lunch shift, so... I'll try not to run over so you're not too hungry. But yeah, just for the listeners that maybe haven't heard of Dr. Amy Silver, I am using Dr. Amy Silver purposely because we did mention there wasn't Amy Silver out there. I'll edit that bit out, don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Don't Don't be talking about Amy. We don't want to plug Amy. It's Dr. Amy. Okay, so just for those that um, may not be familiar with your work, do you want to tell us a little bit about your story? Well, my story is that I'm a, an ex-clinical psychologist. I studied psychology, went on to clinical psychology really purely because when I was in a lecture theatre full of 200 people, the person at the begin, at the front of the room was talking about all the different routes that you could go through to get to, to become a developmental psychologist or an industrial psychologist or a, a neuropsychologist. And then they said, this isn't really worth spending much time on because only two, or only one out of the 200 of you will get on. But clinical psychology is blah, blah, blah. And that was enough of a motivation for me to then go on to, to be that one person out of 200. Wow, to, okay. To so speak. so I'm fairly, fairly stubborn. So I went to do clinical psychology. I ended up um, getting very senior very quickly and working at Oxford Uni doing tutoring and therapy and research in how to overcome your fears and get on with whatever it is that you that you want to achieve and at some point i guess i had my first midlife crisis and decided to leave i'd been doing clinical psychology and therapy for quite a while and it's quite a a still practice you you don't express yourself you don't express you don't use your body that much you're talking a, a lot and listening a lot so why why is it called clinical psychology sorry oh, i'm sorry. very so late clinical moment. psychology is really around um, mental ill health it's moving people from 
a place of not coping to a place of coping. It's understanding the psyche across the whole lifespan from birth to death and what therapies and theories there are that can enable people to change. What levers do we need to pull in order to help somebody move from one position to another? And it's within the context of mental ill health. So it's depression, anxiety, self-harm, eating disorders. It's people who, for whatever reason, have set up some habits and some thinking habits that keep them trapped in a certain presentation is what we would call it. But yeah, to, be, to get to see me, they had to be, people had to be defined on the mental health spectrum as not coping. So it's quite severe. And as you can probably imagine, it's quite intense. And I wanted to learn how to play again. So I, I left this job that I loved and went to drama school for a year and thinking really that all I was doing was re reconnecting myself to the more playful side of me, which because of the academic rigor of the role um, and the immersiveness of dealing with other people's stuff uh, and things that had happened to them for no, for no good reason, I just wanted to play. I just wanted to play. And I thought it was a year off. I thought I'd be going back. And in fact, what happened was I was picked up by an agent, ended up doing a couple of years of professional acting. Right. Yeah, it was fun. But it was sort of, it was hard for my brain to cope with the running theme. People sort of think they're not that similar, sort of psychology and acting, but actually they're exactly the same to me. They're all about trying to understand why does a person behave in a certain way? Why does a person think in a particular way? Why does a person say things in a particular way? And what are they not saying in the gaps? And so, you know, I guess the, the running theme is, is a passion about understanding why people make the choices that they're making. And when I had the opportunity to do really in-depth um, plays and really dissect characters that was beautiful to me, you know, sitting around with other um, like-minded people wondering why these characters in the page did the things that they did. But that wasn't where the money was made. The money was made recording subway commercials for, you know, sandwiches and smart cars and just, you know, things that I really had no connection to on a value level. So, but one of the jobs that I did while I was um, in that you know, great period of my life was corporate acting, where I would be the the stooge that the uh, corporate trainers would use to test the participants in a training program on whatever it was that they were teaching, whether that was you know how to sell or how to yeah how how to sell something or how to diagnose something. I would be the actor playing playing a role, and I while in that position, just couldn't believe how much the knowledge from psychology wasn't present. It wasn't present in the training and the learning and the development and the opportunities that they were trying to give people to change. They weren't capitalizing on any of the theories of psychology that really need to be understood if you're going to help somebody change. And so that was the birth of my current 
position, which is to to activate people's growth, um, to show people how they can make choices that lead to to infinite growth if they understand themselves and understand other people, then you know we have a whole world of of opportunity, but we kind of as humans, we sort of lock down a bit early on who it is that we think we are. And that that's sad to me. So you mentioned before when you were in the clinical part of, I guess, your, your journey and story, which you mentioned this element of fear and moving around fear and how you were working in with people that had, you know, symptoms or how you classified, you know, these depressed and the anxiety. I mean, is there any learnings out of because because fear is you know something pretty pervasive <laughs> drives us all and you mentioned yeah, we sort of we sort of have a a picture of ourselves maybe a little bit too early talk us through fear I mean you know you're all about growth now and I assume that that's something to do about overcoming fears or so let's can we go there sure so look I mean to me courage isn't the absence of fear I think that's where people get confused. They see somebody being courageous and think that they are fear-free when, in fact, I think what that person has probably done is is got on with whatever it is that they wanted to do despite the fear. They just haven't let the fear become a block for them. And so I guess what I believe fundamentally is that better is on the other side of uncomfortable. So whether that's uncomfortable conversations or uncomfortability because we're, or discomfort because we are um, fearful of putting ourselves forward for something. It's uncomfortable, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it. And in, in fact, it's sort of just move around it. You know, it's not something that is big enough to, to stop you. Your, you. your brain can get over and above that fear and get on with what it's supposed to be doing. There's also a fear of expectations and and we start to run our lives through a lens of what other people might expect of us or what we expect of ourselves and it could be useful it might not be unuseful but it's whether that gives you the most available options of choice probably not it's going to be cutting down those opportunities for those sliding door moments where you go one way or another those are the kind of opportunities that we miss when we start to use fear as a compass yeah because i guess yeah and i know certainly in my case being in a fearful state i'm going to make a pretty safe crappy boring decision yeah. which i guess you know to the concepts of, of your book around creating growth how do we get or shift? Is it a is it a pattern we're running? How do we how do we start scratching into that? Well, I think it's actually a habit. I think it's a, a core habit, and you know, I, I think courage is almost like a muscle. I have got to the stage where I chase my fear. As soon as I start to feel fearful about something, I start planning to make it happen. Um, I think it's it's a dangerous thing for me to slow down on that because worried that if I stop training myself, I'll stop pushing through that fear. And the more I do it, the more the, – not the easier it becomes, but the more 
I challenge this assumption that I have that fear should be something that I listen to. So I think building that muscle and recognizing that it is absolutely not that I don't feel fearful. I feel very fearful all the time. Um, I feel self-doubt all the time. I feel self-critical all the time. You know, it's not that I'm not feeling those things, but I I just have a, a muscle and a habit that I guess refuses to let me use that as a guide. And I think, you know, in the wider context of teams and, and being collaborative and moving into a space of being able to maximize on each other, we must be aware of all the research that shows around psychological safety and how if we don't feel that we can be take risks in front of each other, if we don't feel like we can suggest new ideas or new ways of doing things or problems with existing ways of doing things, if we don't feel, if we feel fearful of hierarchy so much that we don't point out risks, then that's another way in which we dampen ourselves. And we, we sort of exactly what you said, we, we kind of go to the safe, the safe option. So encouraging each other to be more growth mindset and, and less sort of caught in the fear is actually how we'll do our best work together. So I think raising our consciousness as an individual of how to be courageous and then also understanding how to help other people be courageous is a really important skills for us in our ever-changing, disrupted world that we live in. <laughs> no, I, I just love sort of you know, where the conversation is going and, you know, I, I pick up on it with, with different mentors that we, I get the pleasure to speak to around you know, so that was something that was scary and so that's why I did it. And so there's always this and I guess, you know, you know, to the themes of your book, that's what allows growth to happen also. And just something else you mentioned and just because I know the listenership to this is predominantly, you know, your high achiever, uh, high performer type individual, which can be good and can possibly be quite bad and stressful for your psychological well-being. State. Yes. <laughs> And you mentioned before around expectations of others, but also expectations on yourself. And, you know, this psychological safety, maybe we could just dig a little deeper there because that's clearly not making these safe decisions so that you're not tested. So maybe we could just elaborate on that a bit further. Yes, look, I think the high achievement thing can be a little bit of a trap. I think particularly if we find ourselves as, well, I found myself in a very academic path you know like the the path was very set for me uh, I would do two years in this role two years in that role and the striving for me was channeled towards academic publication so that was what I wanted to do was um, write uh, journals in well-respected uh, write articles in well-respected journals and you know the chase was always there for me and then when I picked myself up and put myself in acting, then I had a different chase. You know, I wanted to be in the best place with the best cast, with the best directors, sadly unachievable. Uh, and then, you know, in this world, I want to help as many people as I can increase their knowledge of how to access their best self. So the striving bit is the bit that's important, I think. The actual kind of where that's located, I guess, you know, it's, it depends what where you are at that particular time uh, point in time. But the the drive, I think, is is crucial to moving somebody into a place of excellence. 
but I think we start to layer on expectations on what that looks like. So it, it sort of gets tied to other people's ideas of what success is. And that's, I think, when we get ourselves into a bit of a pickle, when we kind of start to imagine, oh, well, you know, achievement looks like this. It looks like this kind of a house. It looks like this kind of a salary. And, and so therefore, what am I, how do I get there? When actually, I think we should be thinking, well, how do I be my best self? What does that look like for me? What are my measures of success? How do I, how do I strive for my own hierarchy of, of where I'm heading? Yeah, I guess what advice would you have for someone that can, you know, to help them, I guess, get into these mind, get into these states or, or to make the right decisions because in the end it's the decisions that, you know, can shape our life. So, Well, there might not be any right decisions. It's, it's probably, yeah. you know, there's no decisions might not be right and wrong. They're just decisions and lead to a whole, you know, a whole direction for you that you just don't know. There was this beautiful show called Faking It in the UK that was a TV documentary on picking somebody up from their lives and introducing them to a completely different life and asking them to fake it in that new life as being part of that new life. So they would take somebody like a a, a heavy metal or a punk rocker who had like, you know, pink Mohican and piercings and, you know, was so fully immersed in that culture. And then for six weeks, they would have a coach and and all this input to fake it in a completely different life. So for, for the punk rocker, it was a, to be an orchestral conductor in a you know full orchestra. In fact, I think it was ended up being the Philharmonic Orchestra. He conducted in a huge auditorium with a full audience and he had to fake it against two other professional conductors to see whether this six-week injection of kind of stuff would contribute to him being able to fake when initially you would imagine that they were just worlds apart and something that he just never would be able to access and it was incredibly hard watching his process of of growth you know most of which was mindset you know around whether he could actually do this and whether he liked it and whether it just felt so uncomfortable and so out of his um, remit that he would just he just wanted to bail all the time and he didn't you know he kind of managed to to fake it and this this series had different people over you know 12 episodes doing crazy things like going from a burger van guy to a, a chef in a top restaurant and just what's achievable you know and it was fascinating to me to to realize that you know we are unlimited in what we could do but we place all these restrictions on ourselves because of our past. You know, we look backwards and kind of go, well, I, I've invested into this bit of me, so that's where I should continue, where in fact we've got yeah, all these different places that we can go in any different moment, and probably none of them are right. But what isn't right and what I know isn't right is, is using fear as a way to kind of discount some of those options because you start to shrink and you start to become, yeah, just become smaller in where you can go next. So you know, one of the core messages that I, I teach, I guess, and this works particularly well in teams that are moving towards agile practice or organizations that are trying to become more agile, mm-hmm. is that it is the flexibility that you need to be working on, not necessarily just the forward 
but the all the different options that you could play with how do you keep that flexibility that we have when we're children but as adults we start to lock ourselves down so looking for options to to flex you know doing things that you don't particularly aren't front of mind so you have half a day don't go and get better at what it is that you're doing but look at something completely different look for people that you don't normally talk to look for books that you wouldn't normally read because you're trying to stretch not just get more specific on something that you already know i guess it's like the algorithm the google the facebook algorithm thing yeah you know don't just go and back up what you already think you know go go explore and play yeah fantastic so i've actually had a few mentors recommend books that are completely out the con- out of the context of i guess you know what they're known to be experts in just because they thought it was they picked up a concept from something completely different and were able to you know apply it back or or use it to sort of bridge into a different area yeah it's a stretch and it's it feels you know it's almost like you've got to do everything that you possibly can to get over that part of your brain that goes it's a waste of time it's not furthering me on this particular journey but you know we've got no way of predicting what what the future looks like anymore so we kind of have to be yeah match fit to to go to different places and to access different parts of us to communicate with different people in different ways in different frameworks and different settings and with different tasks we i think need to be practicing growth and growth for me means i guess being able to flex around your habits and your thinking habits to be more so so what advice would you have for <laughs> i know we've just got you? a pleasure <laughs> well for me yes <laughs> you've probably got a lot of advice for me <laughs> uh, around yeah practicing growth you know is there something we can do to expand our thinking or yeah the habit to get into is something called meta awareness which is coming up above yourself looking down at yourself and really trying to work out why you have done what you have done why you think what you think i mean the first the first step really is to identify what it is that you're thinking most of our existence is completely unconscious so increasing your consciousness around what you're doing and why means that you get that space between the trigger whatever the trigger is the at any moment any given moment in your life and your response so that you increase that um opportunity to assess different options because we you know it's sort of almost like being on the top of a snowy mountain and you've got you've made a, a well-worn path to ski down it one way so it's always easier to go down the mountain that way and we've got to work really consciously at first to get in there and sort of think well is there a better way could i try a different way is it worth playing with a different way what might i learn going down the mountain a different way uh, and fighting against every single fiber of ourselves that it's easier to go down that the same way which of course it is but we're only going to end up in the same place you know that place might not be very good it's a, it's an incredible thing that you know which i learned in therapy and then in in the acting world and then in in now when i'm working with people in business where even when we're somewhere that's not great 
we still are drawn to um, stay there because the concept of change seems so hard for us. Even if we can see that on the other side is better, it's still something that we have to cognitively pull on every single ounce of our brain to give us that willpower to try something different. And in, in cognitive behavioral psychology, we talk about behavioral experiments. So this is a, a concept once you've got that meta awareness where you can look at yourself and decide whether you want to have a think about another route, then it's a case of experimenting, trying. What if I said this instead of what I normally say? What if I ask this instead of not asking? What if I say yes instead of no? You ask these little things of yourself and then you gather some evidence of whether it's useful or not, like a scientist would. And from that sort of almost dispassionate position of analysis of your choices, you you do a couple of things. One is that you actually stretch because you're doing something different. But the other is, is that you build this idea that we are not our thoughts. We can get in control of our thoughts. Our thoughts don't determine our behaviors. We can step above our thoughts. We can step above our emotions. And that clever part of our brain can engage and make a choice that's that's beneficial for us, which may be that it we get to a particular goal or it may be that, you know, we, we stretch and learn something. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting when you say we're not our thoughts. So did you have any sort of opinions around, you know, our thoughts create, a, I guess, our, our chemical makeup? So if I'm thinking happy thoughts or if I'm thinking about a great time, you know, chemically my body might have a different reaction. So just how that sort of plays out. So whilst we're not our thoughts, it does oh, It's absolutely all linked. But from my perspective, the thoughts, behaviors, emotions, and the physical stuff that's going on, and to some extent you're in the environment that you're in, those things are inextricably linked. And what we can do is, you know, inject, if you like, one type of thought and that can spiral us around that kind of loop of physical feelings, emotional feelings, behavioral choices. It loops us very quickly. So, yes, I, I completely agree. They are inextricably linked. But what that also means is that we've got an opportunity to change all of that by actively injecting something else. So my fears are, you know, I don't know, I'm coming to do a podcast, it's being recorded, maybe my fears go up or my anxiety goes up. And that could spiral into a whole host of behaviors like, well, then I'm not particularly chatty or, you know, and physical things that I get a dry mouth. And you can see that looping around really quickly and getting to a really uncomfortable position. Or I get the chance to to get above that, get that meta perspective move above it and decide that actually there is nothing scary about this. You know, I'm talking to a nice guy in a nice office and we're going to do some interesting talking. We're going to have a great conversation and that can turn the, the spiral into a different direction. So whether you inject it with a behavioral experiment, as I would call it, where I kind of go, all right, well, what if I didn't, what if I didn't get anxious and I didn't sort of start getting you know heart my heart rate going up what if i made sure that i was super relaxed before i arrived what if i made sure that 
I understood what this was about and who was listening, then that's a behavioral choice that I make that puts me in a conscious decision point rather than unconsciously finding myself in in that spiral. I move up and above my behavioral and thought behaviors to a place where I can turn it into something which enables me to achieve my goals. Kept alluding to the book, which would be great if, if maybe you could give some context around, you know, why you wrote it and, and what the book is. And yeah, if there's any other books you'd recommend, I guess, in the same sort of concept of what we've been talking about today. The book is really, well, it's called Conversations Create Growth. And essentially, it's a, it's a handbook for managers and leaders who want to capitalize on the relationships that they have with their direct reports and use that effectively to build engagement and performance. I think a lot of managers and leaders get to the position that they're in because of their technical experience, but whether they have understood the lessons of psychology around how to help someone grow, um, that's what this that's what this book does. I think that what I like to do in in the workplace is create the opportunity to make effective collab make effective communication the norm so part of that is understanding how to have conversations that enable people to grow and the other is around a concept called the safe space which is a program that I run which enables teams to generously collaborate to achieve elevated outcomes and that's based on a couple of core principles one one is psychological safety which we discussed and and the other is about being able to tolerate being uncomfortable which is that fear the fear conversation and in in terms of books that i think fit that and where i'm reading at the moment there's a, a brilliant book called an everyone culture by keegan and lahey and they talk about the immunity of change so if anybody's interested in the behavioral it's the it's the psychology of behavior change for the individuals but how that as a group then fixes a culture fantastic yeah i'll be sure to put the links to both your book and the, and that second one and everyone culture up on the mentalist.com so thank you for sharing <laughs> just my last question or second last question was just around a quote if you had a quote you could share with listeners i do and of course it is very psychological it was uh, by carl young who is one of the fathers of modern psychology and he he talks uh, his quote is until you make the unconscious conscious it will direct your life and you will call it fate right thank you for sharing i like that definitely within the themes of sort of what we've been talking about and yeah, just for wanted to thank you for, for coming in again and for talking to the listeners and for sort of going deep on some of, some of these topics, which yeah, I certainly could just talk or listen for, for days. But yeah, people listening in and they're wanting to maybe get in contact with you or find out a little bit more about what you're doing. Yeah, how would they do that and who typically would be contacting you? Hmm, well, it's been very nice to be here. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my website's probably the easiest place to find me. It's dramysilver.com. And there's a, a blog that you can sign up for that gives sort of tips around courage and conversations and trust and safety um, yeah, and bravery. Uh, but it's so you can access me through that and obviously LinkedIn. 
the kind of person that would be interested, I guess, would be anybody who's in a team or anybody who works with other people who wants to learn how to activate their best self in that framework and with working with other people. And I run a, a mentoring practice too. Fantastic. Well, yeah, I'll be sure to link to that on, on thementalist.com. But yeah, thank you again for your time today and for coming in. And yeah, really appreciate you sharing with the listeners and yeah, going deep into topics which, you know, sometimes we don't get the time to explore. And yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you. And for everyone else, tune in again next week for another great show. The Mentalist specializes in interviews with top business minds. Gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentalist.